It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. This is Peacock. I love it! It's streaming your favorite shows, movies, live sports, breaking news, exclusive originals. It's The Office. That's what she said. Chrisley knows best. It's going to be Todd's Way or the Highway. And Peacock original shows like Punky Brewster. Holy mackinole. So whether you're in the mood for every live WWE pay-per-view or every episode of Law & Order SVU, Peacock's got you covered. Peacock. Watch for free. Upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. Good morning and welcome to a North London Derby on the Whistle podcast. I am here with comedian and presenter Johnny. Hello, Pete. Hello. What? A, what? A, I mean, how good is this? I've got a smile on my face and I've got to be honest, you're going to get a very excited Johnny on this pod today. Very excited. I, I, I cannot. I cannot wait. Um, I'm actually in the same room as Matt for a podcast for the first time in over a year. Uh, Matt. Brand design agency owner. I don't know how you want to be. It's not as cool as Johnny. <laughs> just, 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 just delighted Arsenal fan. I think is uh, like uh, probably the best description of how I'm feeling right now. Yeah, it's been about an hour since Arsenal defeated Spurs at home. Um, we beat Jose Mourinho. I've just come off the back of watching Jose Mourinho doing one of those "I've lost but I'm smirking" uh, interviews. Nothing feels better. Uh, let's go over to you, Johnny, with the hottest of takes. Um, hottest of takes would be this. I said quite clearly laid out when we spoke last week on the whistle um, after uh, the after the game, and I said, look, this is a, a massive, massive week for Arteta in terms of his ability to prove that he is the right man going forward. I didn't. I don't necessarily think that this week with the two Europa League fixtures and the North London derby could prove categorically that he is the right man, but what it could have done was prove that he wasn't, as far as I'm concerned. And he has passed the hurdle so far with flying colours. I think that this result was a massive, massive result. Seriously not to be underestimated. You know, I know the league's gone for us, but I looked at that. I didn't realise how close Spurs were to top four as well before, before the game kicked off. And it was just one of those moments where you need this Arsenal team to step up, show guts, courage, and do it for the fans to, you know, I don't like being a, 
uh, in a situation where as a, our North London rivals are doing better than us and we're just having to cheer their downfall. But the reality is that's where we are. I don't want to see them in the top four. And this result's gone a massive way to stopping them having success. And with the Europa League performance in midweek going the way it was, a great result. And basically looking like we're through now, I'd be very surprised if we don't get through in that. You'd have to say, if this if this week was scored out of 10 for Arteta, it's a 10 out of 10. And, you know, top work, well done. And I tell you what, you're coming a long way to winning people like me round. Matt, wow. uh, yeah, I, I, Johnny, I, I, I love to hear that. We it were just talking. Like, it sounds like Strictly Come Dancing, doesn't it? It's a ten. It's a ten. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a ten because you've got the the person no one expected to win. They've been falling on their face for the last year, and then they, they go Torval and Dean. Um, at the end. <laughs> so, um, Matt, uh, you you've been like jo- Johnny's kind of been or like more skeptical than you. But you you were sitting with me in a bar last week and you were reading a few blogs that you just discovered and you were a little bit skeptical of his man management skills. Uh, like, come on, give us the hottest take because I, I saw your face and know how you felt. Listen, uh, we spoke a couple of weeks ago about this idea of building these narratives, you know, beating Jose Mourinho, beating Unai Emery, beating Brendan Rodgers. And, and I liked it. It sounded good to me. And, uh, and, and we're on the right track. And I think one of the things I said to somebody recently, as I said, it's not even like two steps forward, it's one step back. It's two steps forward, one and three quarters steps back sometimes with this Arsenal team. It seems like we're making progress, but it's so slow. But it feels like for whatever reason, and I think, I think we've deserved it, the progress is accelerating. And, you know, it is still two steps forward, one step back, but... Um, you know, it's it's happening and we can see the direction we want to go. And look, whether who cares whether it's by luck or whether it's by great management, but the progressive nature of this team with like Smith Rowe and Odegaard versus that pre-Christmas dross of Xhaka and Ceballos. And, and, and I say that not as a system, not as the individuals, because Xhaka was great today. But like that Xhaka Ceballos stodginess. And now we've got this like super mobile midfield. And that's the bit that's exciting me. It feels like we've got the players to work in the system. And I'm, I'm really excited. I've got to say, I'm really excited about where we're headed right now. Oh, I love I, I love being on a podcast with you two. And it's just, it, 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 it's just talking about the, the good bits. Because, and, and, you know, we were talking a little bit before, you know, that you can be smug. There's no such thing as being smug when you win, if you're an Arsenal fan, because a win is for everybody. But the the thing, you know, Johnny, you speak about like the, the narrative before and, and winning games. I think the problem that I, I've been having this week is I, I was turning into that, uh, that, that writer that was like, if you can't see it, you don't really understand what's going on. And that's not a good place to be, like looking at underlying performance metrics, trying to champion the things that people can't see. And most people look at the table as uh, an indicator of where you're going. Um, but my thing for the last few weeks has been um, under Unai Emery, he was scoring more points. He, like, he was getting more points than performances suggested he, he should have. And in the end, performance always catches up with points. Arteta's had a different problem. Underlying uh, performance metrics were going up, but we were still getting, you know, shit housed. We were getting bad decisions go against us and we weren't taking um, 
our chances in the box. But there, there always comes a moment. Arteta said in the week, um, this team's going to bang at some point. I'm not sure today was quite the bang, but the first 45 minutes was complete Arsenal control, some unbelievable chances, and then we get screwed by an unbelievable Rabona. And that's the moment where you're like, are the players going to go, you know what? Maybe Arteta is just bad luck for us. But they didn't. They came out. They fought for the win. Um, Lacazette, uh, you know, I wasn't too sure about the penalty. I've got to be honest. But, you know, I, I guess you're probably not concentrating on the chance as much when you see um, a player coming at you the way um, Sanchez was coming at Lacazette. We won the game. We, you know, Spurs had, what, three, three shots on target all game. I know it felt like they'd had 17, but they really didn't. That was total control by Arsenal. And... The, the, the Spurs, are, Spurs are building a future um, on give the ball to Harry Kane three times and he'll score one goal. Arsenal are building a future with a progressive brand of football um, where any player can come in and you can win games. Today was important. It's not the final piece of the puzzle, but I think it shows keeping faith with Arteta next season, cutting out the errors at both ends. We're going to compete for top four next year. So I'm, I'm, I'm really, really happy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, a couple of things. So, first of all, I think the key thing about today was not just the result. It, it, you know, the fact is the league's gone for us. It's an absolute tyre fire still, you know, but the performance was absolutely key. If we had nicked a 1-0, you know, against the run of play, of course we'd all be cheering and laughing and calling up Spurs fans, but it, <laughs> wouldn't, have said, it wouldn't have said anything to, as to where we were going. We dominated that game. We absolutely deserved to win that game. The Tottenham fans, I know, yeah, I have to admit, I do know some. You do know uh, Yeah, they're dreadful, dreadful souls. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they admitted it as well. They know that they were second best for the whole game. And for one, because this is the thing, you know, you touched on it, Pete. The fact is, is it could be, it could have been, if we had lost again today, that, oh, it's unlucky. It's unlucky. Listen, people lose their jobs for being unlucky. It doesn't matter. You have to get results at some point. And this was a massive, massive game. There's no other way to look at it. I don't care how it happened. We had to win. But the fact that it came with a stonking performance where we were, we were the better team from you know, beginning to end makes a massive, massive difference. And one thing I would say as well about the penalty, I think it's a stonewall penalty. Because when you've got a player who is so bad <laughs> that they shank their shot... So it looks like they could actually run on to their shot and get another go- attempt at goal, but they're fouled on the way. Then it's a stonewall penalty, you know. And and the fact is, is Spurs have their very own squad ran Mustafi in the form of Davinson Sanchez. He is a shocking footballer and he will give you chances. And it's nice to be in a North London derby and, and benefit from having a shocking play on their team give us chances. That was great. Yeah, I, 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 I'm... I'm... I just thought that the way Arsenal's luck had rolled, almost every, every time it goes to VAR, it feels like it's going to get overturned. And I, I don't know whether you were getting different um, angles in the UK, but we just, got, we just got the angle where Lacazette hits the ball and then Sanchez comes after. Well, I think it's, it, it'll, um, we could talk about the penalty in more detail, but I think it's as simple as, is it a foul anywhere else on the pitch? Yes. Okay, where's well, the pen? Yeah. Like it doesn't really matter what happened before you hit the player, because he hit the player and he didn't get the ball. True, and that's and that's and that's really that's 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 really it. Um, I just want to 
because I've just I've got a massive crush on Smith Rowe. I've just got I've got a bit of a thing. <laughs> Listen, of, you have actually I've got, before I've got, I've got before we get into Smith Rowe. <laughs> like Matt, Matt Matt's like during the game, he's like, I really love him. So <laughs> I am. Um, I, I want to get his name on the back of my shirt. But by the end of it, he's like sending him DMs on Twitter. I'm like, mate, you've got to stop. That's a 19-year-old boy. He's an innocent child. Um, but before we get into uh, before we get into the joy, and Smith Rowe is definitely part of the joy amongst other players, I just want to get the, um, I, I want to get the, oh God, why moment out. You're feeling excited. You're feeling like performances are, um, are, are on the up. And then before the game, you see, like we saw a ticker flash up, Obama Yang not in squad, disciplinary issues. And you're like, my God, why is it always Arsenal? I want to talk about this um, a little bit. Uh, Obama Yang has been missing um, team meetings and turning up late. Um, like my, my view, I'm going to get in there with a hot take. For, you know, if, if you work in a high pressure environment and you're looking for leadership from your most expensive uh, staff, and you've got one person that turns up 10 minutes late to every important meeting, it sets a really fucking bad precedent with everybody. And I thought the decision to drop him was scary. I don't think, you know, I think Matt was talking about earlier, probably wouldn't have done it a few months ago, but it was the correct decision. But my worry was if we, you know, if we lose this game today, we'd be talking about that decision as, as the problem. I'm so glad that it didn't happen. I actually thought that tactically it was the right decision anyway. I was I mean, like, this I makes sense. Was, I think it was the right decision. I think it was managed badly. I think he should have just been dropped to the bench and it should have been a no comment. You know, like, oh, it's tactical tactical reasons. You know, like the classic Ozil bad back. You know, oh, it's tactical <laughs> when it was clearly not tactical. You know, it's it was just 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 yep. that. And I think you don't need to... This idea of at the end where Mikel is like, Oh yeah, we don't talk about what happens in the dressing room. It's like we already know what happened. It's been it's been leaked. It's fine. All right, we get it because you won, so it's fine. But there was no need to do it. And I think if you're trying to set that much of a principle, you can't put them on the bench. If you're trying to really set a principle, it's like no, you're you're out the squad, unless you've already put your squad in to for match day uh, to the match day, and you just have to like you rejig it because of like, it's a bit like, a, like an injury in the warm up. So that makes, maybe that's what actually makes sense of it. Like it's the names were already in and, and, and you didn't have a chance to rejig it. But yeah, I think, but I, I mean, I mean, it he, must be actually in hindsight, it probably was that. Um, but you can't, I think you just need to not mention it, not talk about it, move on. I thought it gave Spurs a bit of an advantage going into the game. It's like, Oh, for disciplinary reasons, they're missing their captain. For me, it's much better to be like, no, no, we're playing Lacazette because we think we've studied your game and we think he's the guy who's best positioned to expose your weaknesses. That for me is like, oh, what do they know? Like, interesting, another thing to think about. Like it gets in your head a little bit more than, oh, their best player isn't playing because he fucked up. That, that's my my personal take. Johnny, yeah. what's, your, what's your thinking? Um, well, I, I think Matt's been bang on there with regards to the fact it's the right decision, probably handled poorly, um, you know, in the sense that, you know, like you say, if you're going to drop him then, and he's sitting on the bench, it seems weird. I'm not sure the squad's worrying because if he's, got, if he's turning up late, I mean, when do the squads need to be announced? It's not that much before, like the lineups get released an hour before kickoff. 
you know, I don't think he, they've put their squads in a couple of days before or anything. No, if, someone gets inj- if someone gets injured in the build-up, you can add new players in, right? But, so, But you yeah. only bring a sub in, right? Yeah. It, it yeah. kind of felt like, a, like getting back to the non-negotiables of 18 months ago that he kind of ignored when William went to Dubai. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is what but we were talking about. And we were saying, feels like when Mikel is confident, he starts talking about the non-negotiables again. When he's feeling on a shaky ground... Like it's a little bit more flexible, what's reasonable and not reasonable. You know, there's no doubt that some people have got away with some shit. Um, but actually, he's been pretty like when it's really mattered, like uh, the the Willian and Louise just before Christmas. Yeah, that was non-negotiable. That was non-negotiable. So there's this, you know. Can I mean, a little bit. I mean, the thing, the thing, the thing is, is you know, I think he was there on the bench anyway as a breaking case of emergency. But, you know, if we're going to start talking about non I'll I, I back him on this as well. For At the end of the day, I, th- I honestly think there's some personal stuff going on with Aubameyang. He's, he seems to have his head somewhere else right now. He doesn't really seem completely focused. If he's missing meetings all the time, I, I personally think he should get the captaincy stripped. Because if, you go, if you're going to... You know, have someone. If you're dropping your captain for for essentially a lack of professionalism, there's nowhere else to go with it. It doesn't make sense. And I think at this stage, everyone understands that realistically, give the armband to Kieran Tierney. He's yeah, the no, I, absolute. I, you know, he's a driving force of the team. Where he plays like a captain. He's he's got he's captain material. He's captain Celtic previously, and he's captained um, Scotland. You know, so we're not talking about some guy with who, you know, the lights are going to be too bright for him. He's the real deal. He's cut from the cloth. He carries supermarket bags with him because he's absolutely, you so know, sort of the earth. I, I, I agree. I've had a couple of, I've had my own shortcomings on that space where it's really easy in, in business to let people off when they're really, really talented. And I've done it myself where I've worked with people who are brilliant. And uh, like I've, and I've made the excuse. I've gone. Oh, they're a bit like a Paolo Di Canio, you know. They'll they'll they're completely fucking crazy, but they'll get you twenty goals a season, and you just got to forgive the bad shit. But the reality is, it's not about them. It's about the impact on everyone else around them. They can get on with it like that, but it basically tells anyone who's young and coming through that there is. There are excuses. And I think with this new Arsenal team, there's a generation of talent that's coming through. And the only way that we can allow them to become the best versions of themselves is by them behaving in a particular way. And I don't think that's the Obama Young way. And I was saying to Pete, like, I'm a big Obama Young fan. I love him. But if Arsenal win league championships, Champions Leagues, I don't believe it'll be with Obama Young. I think it'll be the next generation of hopefully an Arteta team when we look back and go, oh, remember that, that you know, Arteta 1.0 and then like those players left and then 2.0 was like that, you know, the Smith, Rose, Saka and then a couple of new signings who are just a twinkle in our eye at the moment. And that will be the new era because, you know, it's a transition, I think. But I think the culture is actually more important than the players. and um, And hopefully this is another another step in that direction yeah and and look before we knew that it was Aubameyang for disciplinary issues I was like this is a bold lineup you've got Lacazette pulling uh Saka uh Erdegaard and Smith Rowe like pulling the strings bringing them to the game and causing all sorts of um trouble and like 
pu pushing aside the fact that Aubameyang was dropped, uh, it was a great lineup. It was bold. And my word, did we hit the ground running. Matt always says uh, that you know within the first two minutes which Arsenal have showed up. Um, you did. You I knew. Said, I said within one minute, two minutes. I was like, okay, we're on. This is on. This is, yeah, this, this is on. It's literally the body language, even in the passing. It's like you just see it. It's crisp from kickoff. As soon as I see that, that uh, 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 kickoff, when you see it touch to the player, and then they go for that lofted pass, <laughs> like almost like trying to get touched two thirds of the way into the opposition half. I'm like, oh no, we are fucked. You know, like it's just such a lazy like. Whereas when we like the body language is controlled, it's like ball to feet, make your passes, be tight, discipline. Like I'm just like, and that's and that's what it was like today. And you you just you know it when you see it. And 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 even in two minutes, you can t you can tell what Arsenal you're going to get. So I, I think I think um, you know you're completely right, and I think that I mean I guess we're naturally coming on to it anyway, Pete. But you know um, if there was a player who embodied that attitude, it is Matt's long lost love. Um, still waiting uh, for a response when he slid into his DMs, no doubt. But the fact is, Emil Swift Rowe was out the blocks like an absolute <laughs> rabbit. He was incredible. He I mean, the classic phrase, I love the phrase, but Matt Doherty would have twisted blood today. He was getting run ragged. Twisted by, blood. <laughs> by uh, Emil Swift Rowe. Absolutely terrorised down the back. I mean, I love seeing it. It's the kind of stuff you see on Sunday morning football when you've got an old geezer who's been smoking all his life. He's like, come and help me out. I'm getting absolutely roasted by a kid who was doing PE last year. You know, he hasn't got a lung for it anymore. And Doherty just had no answers. It was... Play him in over and over again. And Mill Smith Road just, just terrorising him. But then, you know, at that moment where he had that shot where it crashed off the bar, you're thinking, for me, I think Smith Rowe is starting to really, you know, this isn't a fad. This isn't temporary form here. He is absolute class. And in big games, when you've got like Harry Kane knocking about, you've got Gareth Bale knocking about, he looked like the best player on the pitch. He's absolutely unreal. And granted, you know, the half was slightly stolen by a world-class goal from uh, the slimy Eric Lamella. But a the fluke. reality is, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I don't like to give Tottenham too much credit, but that was that was just oh, unbelievable. Yeah, Matt, really, stop emailing um, Smith Rowe's agent. <laughs> stop it. Put your phone away. I was just I actually just wondered because there was someone on our WhatsApp group who said, you know, credit, uh, give the man a clap, credit where credit's due. And I was just like, fuck off. All right. <laughs> That's not the way we do things at Arsenal. You, ne that you do not understand enough about the North London derby. I will never give the scum a minute or a moment's credit. And, uh, and Keith Laguna uh, summed it up when he goes, sometimes in life you have to take your allegiance hat off and recognise breathtaking genius and give total credit when you see the most beautiful goal. Having witnessed the goal that Eric Lamella scored this afternoon, I'm a big enough person to say it was average at best. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm absolutely on that camp. So, I, like, fuck Eric Morello, whatever the fuck his name Eric is. Eric Morello. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> him anyway. No, I, 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 I like Eric Morello. But... But tell, tell us, so Matt, let's get back onto uh, Smith Rowe. Like we, we've had a lot of conversations. He could be fifty Arsenal players. Give oh. us, give us what, what did, what did Smith Rowe? It's Starboy number two in the team after Look, Saka. What's going on? 
look, I, I just, I just, I've got like a son like Kevin Keegan. I, I love him so much. And he's just, since he's come in, he's given us a whole nother dimension. Obviously, the fact that he's Arsenal through and through. Obviously, the fact that his old man was friends with Ian Wright and they're from Broccoli and they were South London and now they're Gooners. And he's just come in and breathed a breath of fresh air. But he is absolutely fearless. You know, like, 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 like I was watching Joe Willock play for Newcastle, play for Newcastle against Villa. He was absolutely outstanding. I don't believe that Joe... I think that Joe Willock has all the ability that he needs to play for Arsenal. But how many players come into the first team over the course of the last 10, 20, 30 years and immediately just go, this is where I belong. This is, I am a first-team player. It's like Wilshere, uh, Ashley Cole, Cesc uh, Fabregas. But, you know, it, it's literally like a handful and Smith Rowe is one of those players who just, from the moment he stepped on the pitch, is basically gone. No, 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 no. You don't understand. This is, I belong here. He's playing with his future, maybe Arsenal captain, future, maybe England captain, and Harry Kane's on the pitch, and all these other players. And he's just not overawed whatsoever. And you just see him play just everything. He's he's got he's got the lot. He's got touch. He's got passing. He's always on the move. He's always finding space. And everyone's like, oh, you know, Mourinho will close up that left-hand side at half-time. <laughs> he's got so much space. It's just like, I don't think you understand Smith Rowe. He's always mm. got space. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. He just Dude. always finds space. You could, you could put three players around him. He'll always be a yard off them. He'll always find space. And he'll pass the ball before they've even got close because he's not a flashy, he's not a flashy player, except for the fact that when you see... I mean, that shot that was destined for the top left-hand corner that I wish had gone in, you've got to see that touch where he just like rolls it, the top of the ball with his foot before, that, that touch before is just like that playground stuff. And he's playing in his first North London derby. He's only got 15 starts. So that's, <laughs> do, I'm, do just, you, I'm just so Do you know, so do you know Matt, sorry, just a sec. One thing that I don't think gets enough focus with regards to Smith Rowe He's rapid. He's oh, not. So he's quick. a well, really, really well, fast yeah. guy. There's, there's, there's two things. There's one is just his his speed. He's so fast. And the other thing is, because I'm uh, I'm I'm a massive fanboy. Like, guess do you know how tall he is? Uh, about six foot. Yeah, six foot. He looks small. Matt because, said he had a low centre of gravity. He, he's sort of got this. No, he's always got this low. He's always nicking the ball. He's he's got this sort of like low centre of gravity. But he's also got the frame and strength of a big player. He's, it's like he manages to combine the two. Like normally, if you've got low centre of gravity, that's really that's one advantage. But it's offset by the fact that you're less physically strong. Bobby Perez was like that. Whereas he, right, you always, you never knew that he was six foot one. Well, yeah, and he just and and so, but he's sort of got that. He's sort of stocky. He's like the Jack Wilshere stockiness, but he's also got like five inches on him. So uh, my my thing with uh, like like he's got he's got power pace, but the thing that I love about him, nineteen years old, he's probably the most efficient player at Arsenal. Rarely loses the ball, always makes good decisions, always moves the ball forward. But what I what I adore about him that other players maybe in that role don't have the way that he moves off the ball, he drags he drags defenders all over the place. And you now my my thought at half time was like, what is Mourinho going to do? Uh, in the second half that he hasn't done in the first half. They're trebling up on him. 
they're trebling up on him and they still couldn't handle him. And if teams want to treble up on him, that's going to give overloads to who? Saka or Pepe, you know, like so it's um it's a real nice balance I mean, that he brings. Uh, I think he's, he's I think he's going to the Euros with England. I think he's going to be a star in the Euros. I ju- I just I just can't see how you can how you can not bring him with you as a as a at least as a squad player, but he could be in the team by the end of the Euros. His progress is so far. Johnny, this is what I've been listening to all up. <laughs> won't stop. He loves it. So, Johnny, I want to, I want to, I want to move on the conversation to because um, there's so many good players that we've got to get through today. Um, I, I thought Alex Lacazette was phenomenal today. I think a lot of people have a different opinion because he didn't score an open play, but I thought the role that he played, like dropping deep, receiving that uh, that second ball almost like in the center of midfield the dogged performance the hard work I thought Lacazette was phenomenal today and I don't think we would have had the same outcome with Aubameyang in the side um but what do you think I disagree I don't I don't think he was very good to be honest like it's it's weird to say when he's essentially scored the winning goal from a penalty that was you know that he won with really poor finishing in the first place you know I mean what that absolute sh- lamb shank uh when he's in the in the box and and the thing is is you know don't get me wrong like I think you're right with half the point you make I do think that we play better when Lacazette plays in this um formation because he's just so much better on the ball than Aubameyang he links up play so much better and he did that um you know for different spells during the game he, he did well but you know, and I, I'm not. So, I, I never really question the fact that he doesn't try, even though he seems to gas. Like you know, halfway through the game, just stops running. Like just suddenly the treacle comes out again, and he's just going backwards. And it's it, it, it it's hard to watch sometimes. But um, <clears throat> for me, the simple fact is, you're playing up front. If you get big chances, you've got to finish them. And on another day, we you know we might not get a penalty, and we'll look back on in the first half. When we're talking about Emil Smith-Rowe terrorising Doherty, getting to the byline, cut, I think it was him or Tierney at that point, cutting it back and Lacazette's doing a step over. And granted, it you know gets almost um, kind of Swarmish, covered up by the yeah. fact that Cedric the hits the post. But, you know, he's having to crack it from 25 yards to hit the post. Lacazette's gets, you know, doing a step over when you're six yards out. What are you doing? That's got to go in the back of the net because without the natural... Um, kind of attributes to turn a game with, you know, outstanding pace or strength or, you know, dazzling skill. He has to be clinical when he gets his big chances. And I just, I was disappointed with him in front of goal today. Um, And I thought that realistically, it looked like for me, unless he did get a penalty, he probably wouldn't have have scored today. I I had a, a decent enough chance in the second half where he turned and banged. But you know, for me, I think overall, when you look at it, you know, pros and cons, he probably provides us more, you know, for the overall, um, you know, our overall strategy and tactics. Like, he links up so well that he's worth it. But, you know, some of the chances he had, I do think that Aubameyang would have finished, even if he doesn't, you know, provide as much in the link-up play. So, for me, you know, everyone, we're all elated with the results, so everyone kind of gets some a thumbs up for their performance. But... I would like to see more from Lacazette, certainly in terms of being more efficient with his um, finishing. Matt, Dennis Perkamp like performance or donkey in front of goal? Where are we going? Look, I think it's a little bit that it shows the paucity of what we've got up front suddenly. 
to be honest, because I thought he had a good game and, I, and I'm like, oh, maybe we... The reality is we've got to seriously consider keeping him on after this season mm. because we've got Aubameyang, who is still a, a top player. But I think increasingly we're beginning to see that in this new era of Arsenal, there is a, there's definitely an open role for a top quality striker to come in and be the figurehead of this new Arsenal team that's more suited to what we need to do, that can maybe do a bit of what Lacazette does and a bit of what Aubameyang does, maybe a more rounded option than... You know, we've sort of got... We need one player who can do what two do, basically. Let's go and um, get Haaland, yeah? Should we get him? Yeah, get him. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then we've got... Um, and, then, and then the other thing that's happened over the course of the season is that um, Eddie uh, and Martinelli have just... They've dropped like stones. They're not even options. I mean, I still love Martinelli. But, I mean, Eddie's, not, Eddie's an under-23 player, to be, to be fair to him, or, or, or unfair. Um, so we've got we've we've definitely got some vacancies up front. Um, our system allows us to just play one striker with the two players on on either side, which sort of saves us a little bit. So we can probably get away with a couple of them. But I think that's going to be the key position of how we strengthen in the summer. Uh, to be honest, unless I mean. Unless Arteta believes that Martinelli can be the long-term answer up front, and it's difficult to disagree that that's he doesn't every 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 piece of behaviour doesn't suggest that Arteta thinks that. But I mean, from an outsider's perspective, it feels like Martinelli's got everything we need to be that player. Yeah. But who knows? I think that I think that Martinelli just the, the simple reason that he's not playing at the moment. I think there are fitness concerns, and I think in a, a game a game like Spurs today. Um, you need you need control, and I don't think that he has control in the final third. He's a power player, but I think you know, like uh, somebody made a really great point. Rich in the comment section of the Grove, he was like, "Just think back to um, to last year. Saka didn't make the starting eleven for the semi final or the FA Cup final. Now he's our most important player. Smith Rowe was bumming it in in Huddersfield, and now he's one of our most important players. So I think there's a future there." Um, I did want to. I do, do want to shift on to another topic of conversation because we've just got so many good things to talk about today, and I want to enjoy it. Um, Martin Erdegaard, um, last last two games, two hospital passes that could have cost us. Scored an absolute rocket against Olympiacos in an otherwise drab game. Do we think that Martin Erdegaard came to life today? Did we see enough to think that this guy is more than just a blonde Urzel? Um, Johnny, tell us what you think. I mean, first of all, let's be fair when we start saying he scored a rocket against Olympiacos. That was so, so bad from the keeper. I mean, it's not, it's one of them where it's just like, you know, buy a ticket for the lottery. You never know if you're going to win it. It was it's straight down the barrel, but there you go. But no, I mean, I'm not knocking him. Two goals in two weeks and big, big goals. Two, at key two, goals, time. In, two goals in four days. Two goals in two... <laughs> don't don't undermine the It feels like two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but um, no, I, I think that uh, this was a serious, serious kind of feather in the cap for Erdegaard in terms of, you know, when, look at look at the players that we brought in on loan. Look at the absolute disaster that was Denis Suarez. You know, you've got a guy who came in there and you just, from the moment he came on, you're just literally thinking, what is going on here? Who, who signed off on this guy? Whereas Erdegaard has come in and... You know, I, I think he's he's done well from day dot. And now he, we're starting to see a progression in terms of 
what he's doing. Because the one thing with Erdegaard, because of the position he's playing, you absolutely have to get end product from him. It's not enough to just, you know, he does these tiny little, tidy little passes and he turns in tight spaces and just lays it off. But the reality is, is we've got other players who can do that. The reason Danny why... Ceballos. Danny Ceballos, you know, who, who was another guy we got on loan and, and that's what we get from him. And every now and then he'll have a good game. But if you're going to play in that 10 role, you have to score goals and you have to assist. It's, it's that simple. And the reason why we're so excited about um, Emil Smith-Rowe, for instance, is he is constantly trying to be a difference maker. And, and you know, we've had too many passive players in our team. People who are just there for the ride and, and scared to make mistakes so they just play safe ball. Whereas we need people who take responsibility, who say, I'm going to be the difference in this game. And Erdegaard, for me, is now starting to say, actually... I am going to be the difference. And what's lovely as well when, when this happens is when players come in, particularly Erdegaard, there's obviously doubts around whether we'll sign him long-term because it's not just our decision, obviously. But um, it's, it's nice when a player starts to feel like they belong. And you can see he's, he's got a good camaraderie with the other players he's playing with. I think when he's like coming... Him, yeah. Yeah, and, and like Saka and Smith-Rowe and stuff, they're all the same kind of age. You know, it's not like... He's coming to a team where we're riddled with 34-year-olds and he's kind of, you know, playing with old men comparatively, you know. He's playing with people his own age and you can see that they all want to do, they want to play the same kind of football. So I think that the desire for his part will be to want to stay at the end, just like Ceballos did. And I think that what we actually want is him to be absolutely you know, really good, but not quite good enough that Real Madrid go, oh, hold up, we're not getting rid of it. So, he has to get sent off against West Ham. That's exactly, what we need. Oh, exactly. that shithead. Winner in the Europa League final, but um, yeah, you know, just just goes over and kicks someone or headbutts someone or something like that, or, you know, unveils under his T-shirt, Zidane's a prick, you know, that kind of thing. So there's no way back for him. But um, look, I, I, I think at the end of the day, we as Arsenal fans, before we even think about laying out money, which is more than likely going to be scarce in the summer, have to see enough from this guy to make us really feel like, you know, he's proven a point that he is going to add something to the team and, you know, not just basically take up playing time for a Smith Rowe, for instance. But I think that he is starting to make differences in big games. And so ultimately, you know, this is all he can do. So, so top marks to Erdegaard. Matt, you've, you, you went to absolute town on Smith Rowe. Um, Erdegaard kind of looks similar. Blonde hair, creative midfielder. Um, give, it, give us the lowdown on what you think of this. Maybe a little bit less, um, a little bit more understated. It's a little bit more understated, but tell us what you think of it. Yeah, you know, just because, you know, I love Smith Rowe so much. I had a bit of an issue because I was like, is, is this guy coming in and taking minutes away from my love? is he is he taking that favored number 10 spot away from him is it going to be good for smith rose to be over out on the left and look i learned a few things the first thing i learned was it wasn't the left that was not doing great for smith right it was the fact that he looked tired and he looked great on the left today um but i think it's just you need the two of them they're in there as both progressive football players and I'm really liking what I'm seeing from Odegaard. I don't want to go too overboard yet because he's only played a few, a handful of games. And Danny Ceballos is, for me, is an example of how 
you could have a couple of good games and think you've got one type of player. Yeah. For me, it's like, I think it's exactly what you said, which is, it's all about end product. Like, I mean, Harry Kane today, fucking dreadful. But I mean, he is a guy who delivers end product. And, you know, he could have scored and was like, you know, he, he doesn't touch the ball for half an hour, but when he does, it makes a difference. And I think that's what we need from Odegaard. We don't need someone who's silky, but doesn't move it forward. And I think today was an indication that, you know, this week, two goals, uh, heavily involved in the play. I feel like there's like another, like two, three levels to come from him, like immediately before we even think about the full potential. He seems really happy at the club. Um, I mean, it would be great if we just sort of rumbled on a bit like this. And I think he would be, I mean, let's, let's think about how much he would cost. It would probably be 30 million, probably in this. So, total bargain. In this, and in I think this, 20, I think 25 we could get for him. The fact is, is if the player says he wants to go and they don't really see him integrating into the team, I think, you know, and, and as, as we, as we said, we might be able to do some kind of deal with Danny Ceballos. Odegaard, you know, and throwing a mobile phone there, car phone. Yeah, we, 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 we were saying earlier, it's like, all right, we'll, we'll buy you, but you've got to take Danny Sabayas as well. <laughs> and I, I think the, the interesting thing with Madrid, uh, like, they, they don't grow stars, really. They buy them. And if you are going to be a star that's You've got grown... You've to hit the ground from no, minute one, Yeah, I think. M- minute one. But, but also, I think you have to be Spanish, Right to to hit the ground running from from their 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 youth production line. Zinedine Zidane doesn't care much of him, um, and I don't think that that's going to change in the um, in the future. And Madrid are nine hundred million in debt. They want to buy Haaland or Mbappe. They're going to have to sell some players this yeah. summer. And I think the key thing is, you know, um, Erdogan keeps on saying, you know, I I felt at home. At Arsenal from the start, and I know you shouldn't read too much into it, but, no, but I think we'll either buy him this summer, look, I think, or we'll get him on loan. I think you can. Over the years, the one thing that we've all come to learn about Arsenal is, and it's been to our detriment as well. There is nowhere better to play football in the world than Arsenal in terms of the way that they make you feel, and 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 at times it's been our Achilles heel because we've made average players feel too fucking content and happy. But if you're a pro- professional footballer playing at Arsenal, it's very difficult to do better. Like, like, like where are you going to, where are you going to do better? If, for, for the ultra ambitious, you know, Barcelona, Real Madrid, you know, uh, even m- maybe like Van Persie Bayern felt Munich, like Manchester, Man- Manchester United, Bayern Munich, you know, Ashley Cole won more trophies at Chelsea, but is, is, it, is it a better club? No. No. And so um, he was there at the right time, you know, um, and, he, and he managed to time it, time it perfectly. But the reality is there's very few places to play um, and, have a, and have a better life as a professional footballer than Arsenal. And I think players know that. And I think Odegaard knows that. I think he knows his career needs a reboot. He's talking about stability. He doesn't want to be playing at Sociedad this year, Arsenal next year, someone else next year. And then, you know, it's just, it's just not going to happen. So he's better off starting and, re- and he's still young enough to build the career that he wants. Agreed. And so um, I think he's, he, he's looking, looking, looking like a really good opportunity for us. So um, we're, we're going to change up the tempo. 
I'm gonna, um, you know, we've been talking a lot of, you know, positivity and people would be like, oh, this podcast boring without some aggression. Um, so I wanna, I wanna ask some, some cutting questions. When Mourinho signed for Spurs, um, you know, I think it was like early December, um, you know, the December before Arteta, I think maybe it was November, he was signed um, in the international break. A lot of people like wished he'd signed for Arsenal and then Arsenal signed Arteta. And I was uh, very convinced that the Arteta project would be more interesting and the Arsenal fans would be happier than Spurs fans um, come, come what February. We're now in March. We've now played a North London derby with a fully fit squad and nothing terrible went against us. Um, what, do you, what, do you, what do you guys think of the Spurs project right now? Do you think that this has a future or do you think we're seeing dying days Jose Mourinho and like how low can he take them? No, well the thing is, is <clears throat> and don't get me wrong, we've got every right to be kind of on our high horses today and very yes. happy. But the reality is, is you know, uh, uh, and as much as I am impressed with Arteta, like as I said, he he couldn't completely win a, win it over with these three games, but he could have lost it. But the reality is, is that Europa League is a massive competition. I have a, a nasty feeling. We might get Tottenham in that oh, Europa League. Oh, oh, oh we are, we have, we have oh, got. Nailed on. Or, have, or Una we, Emery. We, there is a hundred percent chance that we have got a double header against Spurs, and <laughs> it is going to be brutal. It's yeah, gonna brutal. Be, and, it's going to be so fucking nasty. And and the thing is, is you know, suddenly, if we were to lose that tie, the the, the whole thing would change again. This is what I mean. We have. I am. He, he has done very, very well, Arteta, with regards to the way that we've managed these two games. But we have to progress in that competition. You know, we can't forget about where we are in the league. The season has been a bit of a disaster. And if Tottenham were to go on and win the Europa League, you know, and they have got good players, like Harry Kane is absolutely obscene, let's be honest. He um, is obscene, yeah. What, what know, is he doing there? Yeah, but the thing is, is suddenly if Tottenham were to win it and we were to get knocked out, potentially to them, you know that they're going to be feeling a lot better than we are. I hope that doesn't happen. I don't think it necessarily will. But, um, you know, at this stage, I think that we all we can do is make ourselves a really, really tricky prospect for anyone to play. You I know, think- and and if we... It, like, Tottenham have got a cup final as well, and they've, they've got a monkey on their back about winning trophies, which is hilarious. I'd love to see City roll them over, really smack them out, smack them on the arse and kick them out. Yes. But the fact is, is if they were to get off their back, you don't know how, you know, the culture at their club might change as well. So I don't, I don't think, you know, just because we're kind of flying high at the moment in the wake of this result, and rightfully so, we can be like, look at them, they're all no, over the gaff. No. Like, I think, but I think the season the one, could turn. I think the one thing we can say though is that, and is that we do. It does feel, and look, we've said this before. But like we're gonna look, we're gonna. I think we'll look back, and hopefully we'll look back on a specific day, which was December the 29th was the turning point. Mm-hmm. We played Chelsea. It, Smith Rowe came in, my boy. But more more than that, it was just like we just changed the way we were playing. We, we were fucking headed nowhere. We're we're on a yeah. we're we're up a fucking cul-de-sac. We're heading to the championship. People were talking about Arsenal relegation. We were uninventive. We were completely fucked. He dropped Willian and Louise, brought Smith Rowe in. And since then, we've been on a run. And it feels like the wind's at our back. We've got some momentum. 
we can be proud to be Arsenal fans again. It's 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 not it's not a great we're not it's not great where we're at because we're fucking tenth or whatever. But like, there's at least there's progression, and you know I think we've the difference is rather than look at like something like a, a double header against Spurs as something to be worried about. Yeah, you know. Especially now, after a couple of drinks and being spurred, it's like <laughs> it's just a fucking opportunity to go and fucking cut their throats. Yeah, put them, put, put them down and show that and that, that, that there's only that North London is red, that we're the team on the march, and just go and put them out there, misery because because we've got momentum, we've got at least we've got something to lean back on. And but but, but, but here here is here is the difference and why. Spurs beating us in the Europa League does not change anything about where this project is going in the future. Long-term, better coaching uh, will pay off. Jose Mourinho has got the Arteta plan from the first six months. Low margins, hoping that high-quality players deliver. He just lost Son. He relied really heavily on uh, Harry Kane. They, they, got to, they got the ball to him, what, four times a day? He was deadly every time. That is not building towards a future. That is like... Kick it to the good guy up well, front. Well, Sun is going to be out for a month, right? Month, yeah, four weeks. Six so weeks. Sun's going to be out. Gareth Bale, everybody getting excited. But Paul Merson <laughs> called it. He's like, Spurs are scoring all these goals, but they're just pumping shit teams. So true. So true. Gareth Bale looked fucking awful today. Could we? Could we lose against Spurs over two legs? Absolutely. Um, are we going to lose? over two legs against a progressive, exciting style of football against Spurs? No, we'll lose because of Harry Kane's brilliance and errors on our part. The future of Arsenal is controlling games, being extremely difficult um, to defeat. And the way that we improve is we finish more of our chances um, and we stop making the fuck-ups. And this is a very similar position that um, Liverpool were um, before they sorted things out. Liverpool... The narrative with uh, Klopp was he doesn't know how to coach defence. So he answered that by signing Van Dijk mm-hmm. and, a, and a £90 million pound goalkeeper. Men City, uh, it's Freudiola. Then he gets a few players in and the whole system works. Like Arteta, um, if you just take out those errors, all of a sudden we're as difficult to beat as some of those sides. So I think the, I think the Mourinho um, experiment, I hope he goes on for three years, but I don't think it's going to deliver anything. Everybody said when Mourinho started at Spurs... This nobody understands how good this squad is for Mourinho, and like those players out there today, they didn't want to play like that. Like every time Harry Kane got the ball, he looked deadly, and the, the strategy seemed to be not to get the ball to Harry Kane all game. <laughs> it was embarrassing. So. I mean, I, I mean, I I think that you, you know, what the narrative that you're painting there, I am starting to. Um, give it a bit more credit in the sense that I, I, I do I do think that we have a way of playing that you know like because basically you know which I've presented before on here in terms of saying I think that you potentially are being a bit too kind with Arteta in the sense that you know at the end of the day it's all well and good saying we haven't got the players but these are the players it's, it's not a, a surprise before every game and that if we can't get our act together uh, and we can't cut out mistakes, then that's on Arteta because he knows the players are there. But on the same note, I also do concede to your point that the fact that with a couple of players changed, would this, like our strategy, our formation, the way that we're starting to play, would it start to look a bit different and feel a bit different? Then, yeah, I mean, that, that argument is starting to carry a bit more weight with me now because 
you know, we some of the players are starting Easy. to step up. And um, and what about that Pepe assist? That oh, pass, that Pepe, that oh, Pepe assist and, and, the that's, and that's where I think it's like when you have a way of playing where players can come in and make impact, that's when you know that you're onto something. Because, you know, like it, like, it was like fucking playing in, it's like treacle before Christmas, wasn't it? It's just like, it was complete dog shit. It was terrible, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and now, like, when you see players like Pepe come in who, Suddenly they have a purpose. You know, it's like, oh, maybe they're not going to play every game. Maybe they're actually going to be a sub in most games. But when they come in, they're like high impact. And I was like, in a, the, I said to Pete at the time, it reminds that in a, in a high functioning team, Pepe can be our Carnu. You know, he can be mm. our unpredictability, play, play, play a few games at home. You know, you forget when we were invincible, we were a goal down or drawing 20 minutes from full time a lot. And it would just be like, oh, yeah, Benga would just be like, yeah, cool, cool. And you just bring on, take <laughs> off a couple of midfielders and you bring on Wiltord and Carnu. And you'd have Bergkamp, Henri, Wiltord and Carnu up front. And you just, between them, they'd just get a goal. And it wasn't like they steamrolled everyone 4 0. But that, but that, that, and it that was Pepe just, pass was. But the Pepe brilliant. pass was. The best, best pass of the game. Unbelievable. It was great. Really, really good. Really good. So, um, I, I, I guess the sort of final area to talk about of the game that we haven't really touched upon um, because it wasn't spectacular. But like insurance, nobody talks about insurance um, when it's just doing its job in the background, protecting you um, from disaster. I kind of felt like David Luiz and Gabriel today oh. were like insurance. They just bubbled along in the background. They... Um, they sniffed out danger. They dealt with almost everything all day. I mean, like, that, that Gabriel clearance from Harry Kane kept us I mean, it saved us, right? And the, the back post header from David Luiz was yeah. absolutely phenomenal. Um, I like If there were any errors that came from defensive things today, it tended to come from Thomas Partey making... Like, but Thomas Partey making tactical fouls. Um, yeah. Uh, and Harry Kane doing what none of the Arsenal players can do, hitting the target from uh, from a free kick. But I, I just want to talk about, um, somebody tweeted the other day, they said, Ars- it feels like Arsenal have got five good centre-backs at the moment. And um, I think that if, if there was a mark of progress, uh, like, and there was a top three, I think the fact that defensively we look sound, even in big games, um, is, is, is a big green tick for Arteta. Like, Johnny, uh, well, we, we oh, no, Matt. We didn't have a centre-half at the beginning of the season. No. We didn't have a single one. And now we've got Gabriel holding Mari. Marie looks good. And Louise is doing all right. Johnny, what did you um what what, what do you what, what did you make of uh the the warrior performance from Gabriel, but even David Luis looking pretty tidy over these last few games? Hundred percent. You know, the thing is is with regards to Gabriel, it's great to see him getting back into form and you know, with his goal in mid yeah, post-COVID, you know, and, and I think we flagged up in previous pods that, you know, that's no joke. We can't no. just assume that people bounce back from COVID. Come on, mate, get up to top level again. You know, it, it's not yeah. like that. But, um, you know, the thing is, is in midweek, when, when the chips were down with another shocking goal that we gave away, Gabriel stepped up and, and delivered a Bakary Sanya header. You know, fuck this, whack, there you go, what we stand now. And, and now we're going through in that Europa League. And that's, that's, that's leadership, and that's what we do want to see. 
Um, with regards to David Luiz, look, this shouldn't really surprise anyone. But my issue, my issue with David Luiz, which I've said before, is that you know what you get with him. At his best, he puts in world-class performances. At his worst, he will give the other team the game. So, you know, do I think that David Luiz has now found, you know, the uh, the uh, the Midas touch and he'll never make mistakes again? Absolutely not. We're going to cut the games. He'll get a red card or give away yeah. a penalty. But in big games, he can often turn up. And I thought that, you know, we talk about Harry Kane being dangerous, but he was absolutely anonymous in this game. And realistically, the main thing that he even contributed was set pieces because he is a world-class player. So if you give, if you give away fouls like Thomas Party did, which was silly, then you're giving a guy a chance to shoot. But otherwise, he didn't even get he, he didn't even have any t- um, touches in, in our box until like the 80th minute. Yeah. But what if there was a negative about it, you know, as good as the defense, defenders play, you know, there's still a nervousness at Arsenal. And we're 2-1 up and we're completely in control. Let's not forget, they're down to 10 men at this point. They are, there's, yeah. There's no reason why we need to sit back on the back foot that much. We could still keep up the uh, pressure at, the, at their end of the field. You know, I thought there was another goal in there for us as well to really kill them off. But I understand why we've gone the way we've gone. But when you start sitting back against a 10-man Tottenham in a North London derby, you're asking for trouble. And we really, we nearly, we would have been completely undeserved, but we nearly got sucker punched. And I don't like the fact that we did that. But also I accept that this is something that the squad, the team needs to learn. It, it, you can't just, you can't just um, develop a winning mentality overnight. Some of these young players need to see it before they can believe it. And so nerves do come into play. But I, I, I didn't like the fact that we gave the impetus to Tottenham, especially when they're down to 10 men, because we were the dominant team. The, uh, but the, the only thing that I will flag, um, Johnny, on the, like, we're, we're super critical because we're like, you know, it, like, it felt to me, I was like, we, we're getting absolutely rolled by Tottenham in the second half when they're down to 10 men. Um, Tottenham had six attempts at our goal, three on target. Last time they beat us 2-1, they had five attempts at our goal, three on target. Like, just remember, under Unai Emery, we went to, Wal- uh, we went to Watford and they had 32 attempts at our goal. <laughs> like, from a defensive perspective, to keep a team that's got Kane, Son and Bale down to six attempts at goal, three on target, that's, that's pretty amazing. I mean, the, the biggest thing really is that Harry Kane... If you give him an opportunity anywhere, he's lethal. He's lethal, and I just you know this is back to Jose Mourinho. It's like Jose, you've got all of these quality players, and you you want to restrict Harry Kane to three opportunities. Put Harry Kane into Real Madrid, he's gonna bang forty goals in. <laughs> Put Harry Kane into Manchester City, it's forty goals. It's just shocking that you would use these incredible attacking players in the way that you have, but also. Like, I keep on hearing, uh, you know, Lee Dixon was saying, you know, Tottenham weren't up to their best today. Um, No, they weren't because we controlled them. Leeds, they weren't up to their best, but we controlled them. Like, we have consistently, apart from Manchester City, but even Manchester City didn't have a lot of um, attempts on target compared to what they normally do. We have consistently controlled games and we have consistently limited teams um, to very few chances. Like, that's a really good, um, a really good starting point going into next season. But Matt... Um, what do you what do you think of um, of Gabriel Warrior? Like I mean, we were talking about earlier, he's back from COVID. Uh, I feel like he uh, he should be um, 
a mainstay of the team. Um, we've now got a bench of centre-halves. Our defensive structure is solid. Um, just an enormous amount of positives. So uh, um, I'm, 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 feeling, I'm feeling good about a lot of stuff right and now. Johnny's going to say, um, and, we're, uh, and we're at time. We've got carried away. We forget what time it is in the UK because we're pissed. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to say, um, Johnny, tell us about your podcast before you go so people can listen. Yeah, um, do check, do come and check it out, guys. It's um, you know, it's a a bit of a passion project of mine. It's uh, the How's Your Father podcast. We're talking about all things fatherhood, but you know, in funny and irreverent ways. Um, some of it's just kind of interesting as well. This week's episode was uh, with Blind Dad. Um, that's not actually his name, but <laughs> it's Doctor Amit. But um, <laughs> uh, basically, he's talking about um, parenting. Uh, after his loss of sight, really interesting stuff. Um, Babatunde um, from Celebrity Gogglebox was on in the first episode. There's loads of stuff to catch up. Um, so it's the How's Your Father podcast available where you listen to this podcast. Brilliant. Thank you for joining, Johnny. Really appreciate your time and late night. Catch you next week. And uh, yeah, see you then, guys. We'll just go to the pub. And we're, Matt, we're just going to go to the pub. So you know what to do. If you're listening, give us a five-star review on iTunes. Leave a beautiful comment. Thank you for listening. Up the Arsenal. Come on. Ciao for now. Ciao for now. Nice one, guys. Cheers for that. Cheers, mate. See you next week. See you next week. Bye. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Bears beats The Office on Peacock. Stream every moment from Dunder Mifflin and explore bonus extras and exclusives. Plus, if you're looking for more classic hits, you can stream every episode of Parks and Recreation, Two and a Half Men, and every season of SNL. In the mood for something brand new? Check out Peacock's original comedies, The Amber Ruffin Show, and Saved by the Bell. Whether you're craving a new binge or familiar fave, you can find tons of comedy hits on Peacock. Get started for free at PeacockTV.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.